You're listening to The People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. What is it that you feel has been maybe your biggest challenge? Um, having my skill sets challenged. Having people... Um, be able to say, okay, this girl really knows what she does, what she's doing. And then when I get in there, they're giving me a hard time in terms of making decisions. And I think where sometimes I challenge myself or I struggle with myself is, you know, having to speak up in rooms and and um, not wanting to be overly assertive, which I know that's the continuing black female conundrum. And then also, you know, being able to, to put your foot down and say, I didn't get this far not knowing what the hell I'm doing. And I'm certainly not going to answer to someone who can't figure out that you don't write email messages in a subject line. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. What up, though? Change it up on you. Hey, now. How's it everything going? My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 103rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Hey now. Yes, damn it, I'm back. A lot later than I expected to be back, but I am back. Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that it never f***ing ends, but occasionally it does have a f***ing hiatus, and I apologize for that. I ended up having a much busier month at the paying gigs than I expected, and I ended up not getting a day off for 17 days. I'll expand on that in a second, but first I want to thank each and every one of you that has put up with my ass on my various social media pods, I mean, social media pods, no, social media posts, social media profiles, whatever the case may be. First one, going to be on the Twitter machine, at J. Scott Smith. Be sure to follow me. Follow the show at JSC Radio. I'm on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. Follow the show on Facebook at JSC Radio. I am on Instagram at J. Scott Smith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O-2. T's S M I T H. You can follow the show on Instagram at JSC Radio. Thank you all for this. Of course, we're on the YouTube page, bit.ly slash JSC Tube. You can check out the interview, the conversation I had in episode 102 with Katie Fellinger. You can also check out the JSC exclusive video of me in Daytona with Michael Waltrip doing the ride along on the iconic Daytona track. Just because you haven't heard a podcast doesn't mean I haven't had, I haven't been putting shit to work. I've been doing putting a lot of things to work, including my own self and my own sanity. Of course, I want to shout out my man Doc Gillingsworth. Big ups to him. Shout out to my man Awesome Jones, whose track you hear to open every single show that we can you can check us out on every podcast provider including apple podcasts itunes on soundcloud and stitcher on radio public you can check us out on Castbox. you can check us out of course on iHeartRadio and on spotify and everywhere else your ass gets podcast player fm tune in wherever it is audio boom Shout out to everybody who listens to the show, of course, here in the good old huh, U.S. of A. Shout out to the fans in Canada and Mexico and the U.K. and Spain and Germany and out in, out in the Middle East, 
out in the UAE. Of course, all my African listeners out there in Ghana, and I'll have something for you at the end of this show too, out there in Ghana and Nigeria and South Africa and Morocco. I'm not making this up. I actually have listeners out there. Big up to those of you all in Japan and India who check us out in Australia and New Zealand. World f***ing wide. And, of course, I want to shout at everybody in Barbados, all my West Indian friends, because that's who I'm talking to on this episode. Now, this episode, of course, for edification, was recorded while I was down at NABJ in Miami. This originally was going to go up back in September. And then along came Jamel Hill and Aaron Simon and Katie Fellinger. But I couldn't keep pushing this interview back because Leanne Weeks is – she's a breath of fresh air. She's somebody that ended up following me on Twitter – not on Twitter, on Instagram. I think she followed me on Twitter too, but definitely on Instagram. And this was a couple years back, and we'd been going back and forth, and I was in her city down in Miami, and I finally got an opportunity to talk to her on the second to last day of the conference at NABJ. And it was just one of those conversations that had to happen. And you'll you'll hear her voice. And those of you who follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, you've seen the little previews of it. Big up to Audiogram, by the way, for those. Check out Audiogram. If you're a podcaster or someone who likes to promote your brand and promote your shit, Audiogram is the place to go. And I was talking to her in Miami, and I was just blown away by her. Because when you take a look at her, and as you've seen from the pictures of her, and just if you go follow her, she's at Get It Lee. And of course, we'll we'll reiterate that again at the end of the show. It's at Get It underscore Lili, L-E-E-L-E-E. Follow her on Instagram. Tell her that Jay Scott sent you. You'll take one look at her, and she's gorgeous. And you also take a look at her, and you realize that she's very open about who she is, as you'll gather from the conversation we have. And she is very no-holds-barred and pulls no punches, and also she's effing brilliant. She's great at what she does. And you'll find that out as we go along. So that's Leanne Weeks, and we will get to her in a moment. But I want to also take a second here to just kind of go into a little bit of a drive. I haven't done one of these monologues in a second. Lately, I've been just getting right to it, and I'm not going to take too much more of your time here. But I do want to say that it's been longer than I expected before I could do another episode, and it's because of this wacky schedule and this wacky life I lead. Because a lot of you all know I also work at a radio station here in Philadelphia as a news anchor. And that takes up a fair amount of my time. I don't mention their name, not because I don't want people to know I work there. It's because, well, this show is not connected to this to that station or to that company. And I don't want anybody to think that it is. This is all my thing. Nothing against them, clearly, because they pay me. But we're two different entities in this aspect. I also teach at Lincoln University. That I have no problem talking about. It's an HBCU. And... It's about 40 miles to the west of Philadelphia. It's kind of equidistant if you kind of took like a triangular sort of thing. It's equidistant between Philadelphia and Baltimore. And I have some great kids and some great students. I don't even like calling them kids. They're all adults. But at the same time, they feel like kids. And I've spent the last 17 days working between the two jobs. So I have just now, as I record this intro, got my first off day in nearly three whole weeks. So when you have these gaps, and I know it's difficult to keep up with the consistency into my listeners and to the people who support this podcast, I apologize for it. But this is why it takes so long. And this podcast has always been and always will be because, by the way, we ain't going nowhere. This podcast always has been and always will be my outlet 
my method to my madness, my way to get my voice out to you people to be able to do things that regular radio and a lot of companies either haven't allowed me to do or don't have the room to do or whatever the case may be. I get an opportunity to do this. I get an opportunity to have amazing conversations. I got a couple of great ones lined up for episodes 104 and 105 for you as well because the train keeps on rolling. That big wheel keeps on turning. But I know that occasionally there's going to be gaps and there's going to be things that go down. There's going to be shit that keeps me from getting on here. But understand, I'm not going anywhere. You're going to have to drag my ass out of here. This podcast got me through a very difficult time in my life. It also has allowed me to really find my voice as a as a not just an air talent but as a but as a man really a year ago at this time i was here's a little insight into who i am when i think about sitting in that resort talking to leanne back in august in miami or talking to jamel in september or talking to aaron or talking to katie in her backyard where i think about where i was a year ago where i was jobless i was largely blackballed from public radio i found myself Basically doing things like driving Instacart and doing Postmates and delivering food. And I'll say this, when you're broke and you're struggling to find a job and one of the things you're doing to make money is going to grocery stores and go grocery shopping for other people while you yourself struggles to be able to put groceries into your own place. That's a humbling fucking feeling, baby. That is a That's a feeling that If that shit don't ground you, I don't know what the fuck will. I think about where I am now and even what I've been through. I mean, go back to episode 95 if you want to find out what else is going on with me this year. But when I think about where I am now, please understand I'm not complaining about going 17 consecutive days between two jobs. If anything, I'm grateful that I basically didn't have a moment to really focus myself for 17 days because – I had nine months not to do shit leading up to this. So, yeah, 17 consecutive days is still not something I would recommend to anybody, whether you're my age, 40 years old, or 25 years old, or 15 years old, or 50 years old. I would never recommend you do 17 consecutive days, but if you're going to do it, do that shit to the best of your damn ability. Because I do two gigs, and they're two gigs that I enjoy. I haven't been this happy working in radio in more than a decade. And teaching at Lincoln University is one of the most fulfilling things I've done in my adult life. That being said, these last three weeks kicked my fucking ass. <laughs> it absolutely did. I tried to get this thing recorded at least twice in the last three weeks, and I could barely even get rolling. So this shows you the dedication I have. Again. The YouTube page is bit.ly slash JSCTube. Even if there's not a podcast showing up on your feed, there will be a video showing up on that page. Hit that. Subscribe to it. Like the videos. Watch the videos. Share the videos. And if you're listening to this podcast, share this fucking podcast. Share it. And by the way, the F-bombs that are getting cut out now will not be getting cut out during the interview. But share this thing. I saw... I saw a post on Instagram a few days ago. If you really support your friends, you need to be out here sharing their work. How come you're not propping their work up? How come you're not getting it out there? Well, guess what? I'm calling a lot of you motherfuckers out. Y'all say y'all support me. You say you got my back. How come I don't see this podcast up and down your damn feed? How come I don't see 
the links getting tweeted out like you tweet out everybody else's. I put this work in. I go to great links to get these conversations and these interviews down. And sh- big shouts out to the people who support Katie Fellinger, who got the that last episode I did out into the stratosphere. Katie Fellinger is an amazing human being, and I don't think I've said that enough. She is a wonderful human being. Aaron Simon is awesome. Jamel Hill is it, she's one of the best people I know in the in this f***ing business. They didn't have to do that for me. And every time they came on here, they made sure people heard this shit. But I'm asking those of you who haven't been on this show, if you support me just like you support anybody else, if you, if you have a good friend doing something that they're grinding their ass off for, support them. And yes, I'm going to be selfish. Support me too. Because trust me, I do it for you. And I'll continue to do it for you. So it would be nice to see a few more five-star reviews on iTunes. It would be nice to see this thing get pushed out a little bit more with the Spotify link. It would be nice to see a few more follows at at JSC Radio on Twitter and Instagram. It would be nice to see a few more subscribers on YouTube. I'm getting all in your ass on this episode before we get off into this conversation because you know what? I'm feeling myself. I haven't had an off day in in three weeks. I'm full of piss and vinegar and probably pizza and I- I'm just here and I'm giving this to y'all. This is episode 103. Leanne Weeks and I sat down back in August in Miami and had a hell of a conversation and coming up after this break, your ass is going to hear it and I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't for the faint of heart because the Bajan badass is coming for each and every one of you. My name is Jay Scott Smith and this is the 103rd episode of the people's podcast get familiar with the first 102 this is jsc radio it stands for j scott confidential but the c also stands for conversations get ready to hear a great one we'll be back after this you're listening to the people's podcast i'm not gonna be responsible for what happens next this is jsc Radio. Hey now, J. Scott Smith here. Of course, you know, I am the host of JSC Radio, which you have heard on Stitcher from the very beginning. Because in case a lot of you don't remember, Stitcher was the first major podcast platform to pick up my show. And now they want to give something back to each and every one of you listeners on Stitcher. Introducing Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free, mind you, with Stitcher Premium for only $4.99 a month or, if you prefer, $34.99 a year. You can get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and so much more. Listen to shows like The Fantasy Footballers ad-free, or you can get shows like Dunk on Basketball and, of course... JSC Radio. Simply go to Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. That's Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. And when you go there, drop in the promo code JSC. We can get you one free month of Stitcher Premium. Don't ever say I ain't do nothing for y'all. Remember, it's Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and get one month free by dropping that promo code JSC. S-C. It's just that simple, baby. Get on Stitcher Premium right now, and you can get the best in podcasting. You're listening to The People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter? I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. F*** you. This is J-S-C 
Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. This is the 103rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here, and it's good to be back at you once again. The month of November is going to be a lot more active when it comes to this podcast, by the way. I meant to get that in in the midst of my screed in the first segment, but it's time to get down to business here. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support of the show. Shout out to my man, Doc Illingsworth, who, of course, handles the beats that you hear underneath you whenever you do this show. And I want to shout out, of course, to all the people who have supported this show from the beginning. I cannot stress this enough. Those of you who have supported this show, thank you. Damn it. Thank you. I've tried to make this podcast the place for compelling conversations. I like to say, obviously, it's J. Scott Confidential, but the C could just as well stand for conversations or compelling or whatever other. Well, you know what? I'm not going to use that term because that could lead to some other things. But you know what I mean? Shout out to all of y'all support this show. So I had this conversation with Leanne back in August at NABJ in Miami. And Leanne is a brand communication specialist and a native of Barbados. She was actually born in Barbados, and of course, being in Miami, there's West Indians everywhere. She was born in Barbados, and she admittedly has a love-hate relationship with Miami, and you're going to hear that come out during this conversation. I got about a close to about maybe 40, 45 minutes with her because it was busy. She's busier than hell, and we got to hit on a lot in that amount of time. She's now when she's not providing communication solutions for consumer goods, arts and entertainment, or hospitality firms, she can also be found fighting for equal rights for black women in Miami. She serves as the communications chair for the Fem Agenda, a subsidiary of the Miami Workers Center and a political action committee for black women's rights. Also, she's a part of, and she's also a part of their Here Comes the Boom campaign, which is the Assembly for Black Women and Girls, as well as the Florida March for Black Women. There's a hell of a lot there to her, and you'll see this as we go into this conversation. Plus, she's also a graduate of Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Ladies and gentlemen, JSC Radio, the 103rd episode of the People's Podcast, welcomes Leanne Weeks to the show. And we picked things up because it was kind of loud and where we were doing the interview was in the middle of this convention center. So people were kind of picking up things, moving things around. So we picked things up as I asked her about her city. While she may have a love-hate relationship with it, there's a lot that people need to learn about the city of Miami. And that's where we start this thing. This is the 103rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio and our conversation with Miss Leanne Weeks starts right now. So when I often hear of up-and-coming cities, especially up-and-coming cities for us, one of the main places I hear, Atlanta. I hear Atlanta. You hear, you hear New York. You hear Washington, D.C. What is it about Miami that people are missing or people are seeing, are starting to see now? Because I'm just in the week I've been here with the culture the, it's very diverse. Like I thought being in the Northeast was diverse and I get down here and there's, there's different languages being spoken. There's different types of everything from the food to the, you can feel it, the energy down here. What is, what is it that makes Miami this seeming like the next place it sounds like, or, the, or what could be the next place? So Miami has a very interesting history. Um, you know, it is, it is in the oldest state. Um, it's one of the oldest cities and some of the oldest black cities exist in the state of Florida and in Miami in particular. So 
what has happened is that we've had people from all over the world come in to cultivate culture in this city, especially young people in lieu of the recession. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, aside from the fact that there weren't necessarily jobs, mm-hmm. um, there was also a discrimination uh, component of obtaining a job here. So what young people of color are doing is they're just creating their own way and just really owning the city in a magical and amazing way that is beautiful to watch. It's motivating, to be honest. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you, what was it that led you toward PR? And, and what was it like for you growing up here? Because even though you said you bounded between here and New York City and everything, what was it like for you growing up down here in South Florida? Yeah, so um, I've always wanted to be a journalist, to be honest. Um, Christian Amapur... Oprah, so many others were my greatest inspiration. I lived by essence growing up as a kid. Um, so I always wanted to be a writer. And obviously, uh, having West Indian parents, it wasn't going to happen. You only have, three, <laughs> you only have three, three jobs that you're allowed to have. Engineer, doctor, lawyer. Lawyer. <laughs> um, so I had to try and fandangle my way into that career choice but um my tricking my family but it was never something that left me but honestly um i kind of i know it's cliche but i kind of heard about it on sex in the city which is my favorite show growing up and then i went looking through a book and i realized oh crap i can write and do something i'm naturally good at which is running businesses exactly so i i figured okay pr is for me and i have just been steadily through college and everything else just really pushing that opportunity for other young black hopefuls to get into this industry by not only doing the work myself, but opening the door for someone else. What was the first major, I guess, or minor, what was the first PR job you had? If you, I'm sure you can remember it. What, yeah. what was the first PR thing you did that, that really let you know that I can do this? Yeah, so funny enough, in wanting to be a journalist, um, I started school like around the early 2000s, um, 2005 to be exact. And I felt like my curriculum at my university was not cutting it. I wasn't learning anything. I hated the environment. It was pretty damn racist. Um, <laughs> Jeez. It was, it, well, what's, what school was this? Uh, I'll tell you. It was the University of North Florida. Okay. Yeah, they trust me. They've been in the media plenty of times for their bullshit. Um but, you know, I felt like I could, I needed to create a portfolio. And I decided to start a fashion and beauty blog. And as I'm doing research about how to code this, um, and I had already started websites when I was like 13, like online zines, and had advertisers sending me stuff and sponsors. Um, but I decided to do it again in college. And um, when I started doing it, I started seeing like SEO for blogging. And I'm like, what the hell is SEO? So I just decided to read and do some research. Mm-hmm. And in my midst of coding, I realized, okay, I can actually make this a big deal. And before I knew it, I was getting super high ranking. I was getting thousands of readers. And then from there, you know, people from Condé Nast started calling me and being like, hey, you ever thought about working for us? And I was wow. like, oh, okay, well, I'm only 18. You I'll got, call you your got, beer. You got the company that runs Vogue magazine suddenly kicking <laughs> down your door. Me. I'm like, this lady is re- literally reaching out. I think I had like Marie Claire, or, or um, I think it was Ella Marie Claire contact me about um, some social media posts that I was doing. I was actually covering remotely from my home, um, I think the Met Gala. And they were like, how are you getting the photos before we're able to get them? I was like, this is what I do. They're like, are you in New York City? I'm like, no, I'm in Miami. So it was just things like that. Wow. So how were you able to pull that off? 
I have always been one of those kids that were extremely ambitious. Don't tell me I can't do something. And conveniently, in the midst of being a really good writer, I happen to be great at tech as well. Like, for some strange reason, me and tech go hand in hand. Maybe it's the West Indian in me. But um, I just started reading and, and realized, oh, this makes perfect sense. If I put in these keywords and mix them up a certain way, not only in the back end of the website, but in the actual text, I can actually make this a big deal. What first got you interested in tech? Um... I was obsessed with magazines and I used to read ink and, and those type of publications and realize that tech was the way for, for media way back in the nineties. Like basically when, when the internet opened up to the public, I realized this is going to be the new wave of media. So, I mean, my first online zine was actually coded through home um, homestead. I just wanted to figure out how to build frames on a website. Wow. At like age 13, I was bored. You were bored. I was bored. And just said, all right, I'm just going to start building. Just building websites. Like the hell with it. We're just going to start building websites. Just just, just, just build them for fun. <laughs> just for fun. I hear this, it's like I've heard the stories of West Indian parents being able to build cars out of just random spare parts. You're building websites just for just for shits and giggles. All right, we, yeah. we can do this. <laughs> yeah. So you, you found yourself in this PR tech space. Mm-hmm. You're clearly finding a knit you started off in fashion but you deal with you can deal with so many different things i do what is it like for you as a young black woman mm-hmm. entering this space Ooh, that's I guess challenge. we can we can start first from when you came in to how it's gone since then so it has definitely been a struggle and i think one of the biggest problems is is that it is miami um the media landscape tech that um, or public relations landscape is extremely hard for journalists, but even harder for us as the professionals because, um, you know, black people are amazing at creating content. Honestly, social media would not exist if it was not for us. Um, there would have been no message boards, which led to blogs, which led to Twitter and, and all these other sites. Um, however, even with that ingenuity, there's still, when you get into these firms and it's impossible to get into them because you have to have the money to intern, and most of us don't have that kind of, you know, disposable income to just take off a year and work for free as students. Um, but even when you do get that opportunity, you scrutinize at a level that I'm just going to be brutally honest: mediocre white girls are not scrutinized. There have been multiple times where, I'll even say this: there have been times where government officials have sent me, like this city's government officials have sent documents to my clients that are like press releases and mm-hmm. I'm reviewing them and I'm like, I need to speak to HR immediately because this is some bullshit. <laughs> you did you you were not planning on saying and I will I will literally email you back and cuss you out and be like, I need to know who hired you. Wow. Because <laughs> this is this is racist. How bad and when we're talking about bad, like how bad is it? I mean I'm still operating off of a two thousand and Five two thousand and seven um, AP style book, and if you don't even know the basics of that, and there's been so many changes, I know your ass don't know anything about PR or <laughs> I know you, you couldn't possibly, you couldn't possibly. I've told my students time and time again. I I had a, I teach a class at yeah. Lincoln University. I'm coming for y'all. You know that. I, right. <laughs> and I've I've stood in a classroom a few months ago. And I was going to teach a basic AP lesson. I figured we would do the beginner lesson so we can kind of go further on and get the more advanced stuff. And apparently they were 
dealing with classes where they didn't use the AP style book. Like they, oh, wow. what I mentioned to them is like, wait, you guys, these are juniors that I'm dealing with. These are not like high school freshmen. My first, my, my first AP style book was the, you know, the 1994 version when I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. I, so you haven't seen this. I ran to my office and came back. You haven't seen this. You don't know what this is. Like, no, it's, it's wild. But I, it's like hearing that now I'm just like, okay, so at least I know it's not just my students who at least have some semblance of a reasoning or an excuse. These are people who are governing a major U.S. city that don't, that have people working in their press offices that don't know shit Shinola about what they're doing. The basics. They don't know the basics. But you see that is where, um, you know, the thing is, is that with PR, it's mostly a white, it's mostly a Jewish, it's mostly a female industry. And um, these girls who work here, even as the interns, they've got relationships that extend all the way back to um, birth. Like, their best friend from childhood is working for one of the major magazines mm-hmm. and she has connections to the big fashion PR firm or a big PR firm and she's making the recommendations for her. As black marketers, as black um, social media managers, public relations, advertising people, we don't have those type of established connections. It's We're literally just one in an office a lot of times. So we can't even pull somebody else up despite their talent. Even if we can recite the style book from A to Z, these agencies don't have to care because as long as they can keep it white and homogenous, um, they're happy. They're That's happy. all they, they just want to keep it old boys club, same way, always should be, just run, run it that way. And the last thing, they, they certainly don't need, they don't need a whole lot of black men. They certainly don't need a whole lot of white women and they really don't need women looking like you coming through the door exactly. rattling every cage that's in front of them. Exactly. I mean, I'll even give you, and I know this has come up a lot of times about why black content creators are not given the exact same opportunities. And is there a racism in there? There absolutely is. I can oh, tell oh, you. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know there are some influences that I've put, okay, I'll put it this way. I've actually got fired for putting one of the top black influencers, plus size influencers who was, the first one on a media list for a fashion PR company for a project that I was working on. They were offended that I put this woman on the media list. You got fired for this. I got fired for this. So how do you get fired for effectively doing your job? You put (laughs) someone on a media list Mm -hmm. and that was it. You're done. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew she was a big deal. I know that she has had multiple major national talk show opportunities as a representative for the plus size community. She's a black woman. She's a great blogger. Um, You know, without her, there would be none of the rest of the plus size influencers. And um, I had a personal connection with her. And I said, you know, I'm going to put you on a list for this this bra, this lingerie company. Um, to be honest, I, did, I when I look at the product, I you know, no offense to her, it's no offense to her, but I didn't think the skinny mini with double A boobs are going to be wearing. Well. I knew this was a woman that she's on the go, she needs support. So she was the first person I thought of, and she responded back and was like, I would absolutely help you out with this, Leanne. Da da da, no charge. And um, send, the, send the samples over. And when I gave her the sample list, they looked at it and they said, when I gave my um, coworker the sample list, they looked at it and they said, who is this? Why is she on the list? What's going on? I don't understand. 
Then they got up, had a meeting, and had given me the cold shoulder after that. And a few days later, I just kind of snapped and was like, you know what? Keep it. And they were like, good, because you're going to let you go. And I'm like, you didn't have to. I quit on my own because I can see what's happening. Exactly. You knew what was coming. Oh, yeah. I, I could tell just by the scorn and the scrutiny. You could easily Google this woman and find out. She's a big deal. But they were going to put it, they were going to send this sample to a bunch of blonde white women who in no way even represent them. They were not looking anything like these PR girls, but they were the image that these PR girls wanted for themselves. And that's what they wanted on their media list, whether or not it made sense for the client or not. It's it's so strange Mm -hmm. hearing that where, but then again, maybe it shouldn't be. Because we have so much of that going on now right. where regardless of the, the company, regardless of the industry, you have so much of that out there where they get so singular, like so narrow minded into their just one focus that they're not even willing to look at other things. They're not willing to check out like maybe it could work better for these people. You know, it's like you get zeroed in on a demographic, even if that demo doesn't work, because mm-hmm. I've run into that a lot in radio too, but we're so hell bent on, we got to have it on this demo. But this is not the one. Yeah, I get it. They don't make, they don't pay the money, but they're also not our core listeners. Right. These people are, these people pay the money. Like, it just makes sense. It's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. It, it's something that I, I, wow. And I'm a very data-driven PR person. I'm not one, you know, I will use my gut instincts and what I've learned throughout the industry, but just like media changes, so should PR. So I look at the data and the stats, and I'm going to hit you with those before I ever make a decision. And um, based off what the direction they wanted to go, this product did not make sense for the audience that they wanted. It just, it wasn't logical. What what little skinny mini model girl is going to be walking around with a, a high support bra? She ain't got no breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Support what? This nipple? <laughs> it's just being honest. But this is definitely for that that type of woman who who wants to look slim and great in her body and in her clothes, but also wants strong support. And and that happens so very often where, um, I, honestly, I just lost an opportunity this week. And I think it was because I recommended a local Black influencer who is very strong at her game and has authentic audience, engaged audience. Um, I see her all the time when I'm out and this is for a local client. And they looked at me and was like, oh, she's cute. Is she beauty? And I'm like, well, no, she's lifestyle. She does um, food and hospitality and beauty and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can think about it. No, it's not a we can think about it. It's yes or no. It's It's not even a yes or no. It's a What's her email address? Can you call her or can you send this information over to so-and-so? Because if you looked at her social media, you would see the amount of engagement that she gets, and it would make sense for you to reach her for a local restaurant. But because you can't get past your own internal, your own racism, you can't look at that influencer. So you could imagine, like, if it's hard for content creators, if it's hard for journalists to get into the room, it's even harder for us to get into the room and then push for you. And unfortunately, some of us just want to keep our jobs and not willing to take that risk. That's that's the most interesting thing about that is that there are so there's so much fear. Yeah. I get on journalism about that all the time, especially these days. We operate more out of fear mm-hmm. of, the, of whatever, fear of being judged by people who won't read or listen to what we're putting out anyway, fear of the unknown BS about objectivity or whatever it is. And they're 
and they fall back. Right. Don't go at this. We don't attack this with like any sort of real, just try something different. Try something new. You see someone who fits this spot. Screw it. Just go for it. Just right. do it. And, some, and, you, and the way you just described her, someone mm-hmm. like you clearly attractive when you walk in a room. <laughs> Thank you. What do you, how often do, does that become an issue if you're dealing with maybe men in these agencies or even some women who may see how you look and may just suddenly have their own idea of your, of your ability to do your job or whatever else it might be? Yeah. So um, it is without a doubt a problem. Um, I know what I look like. I know I'm not particularly darker. I know I'm not particularly with, you know, extremely strong ethnocentric features. I do get people asking me ignorant questions. Like even in business meetings, I've had someone ask me this while I'm in a hospital stay, like which one of your parents is white? Um, (laughs) I don't feel like I, I could pass for that, but I've had people ask questions like that. So I think there's oftentimes, um, even with those, because I know we get complaints about, you know, light-skinnedness in the industry, in all industries, and colorism. I think a lot of times there is that pressure of, do I fit the role of, you know, going with the flow and the status quo just to get this opportunity? And maybe I'll be able to help another Black person out. Or maybe I'll be able to say something to HR if someone says something racist. Or do I take a stand? Now, I'm well known in this city that I'm not that bitch to try. You will get your whole feelings hurt. I will have every national organization on your ass um, if you try me. And it does obviously hurt me because as much as we're creating opportunities here and, there, and there, you know, there is more bit black businesses growing. I will say that one thing about South Florida, um, we do have a lot of thriving black communities um, and, you know, more now young millennial business owners. But, um, you know, even though we are creating opportunities for ourselves, we still have to heavily rely on the uh, generosity of Caucasians mm. or whiteness um, and white privilege to make something shake for us. So, you know, a lot of times, can I, do I burn bridges? Yes. Do I give a fuck? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter to me. If, if anyone can tell you anything about me, they'll tell you Leanne literally doesn't give a damn what white people have to say when they're wrong or any race has to say when they're wrong. She will stand up for what is always right. I wish we had more people like that because then we could see um, changes in the newsroom and we could see changes in the marketing room and we wouldn't have these companies having to backtrack and say, oh, you know, probably wasn't a good idea to draw big lips on a Gucci you know, ski hat. No, ski mask. Ski mask. Probably wasn't a good idea to do that. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of us just want to keep our jobs. You have to be the kind of person down here to be able to say something. And I think because, our, you know, locally there are a lot of organizations, um, black civil rights organizations that are stationed down here. Um, you know, people are a little bit more afraid to get away with a lot of the things that they were getting away with. But even in these PR rooms, there are blatant racism. Even even up to upwards to this week, I heard someone say something. And I was like, you know, good damn well, that's an HR problem. I think a, a person had called in about a client um, event, and I think the girl was like, one of the girls was like, okay, Shaniqua. Mm. I was like, oh, we won't be laughing here at this company. Oh that's for boy. Sure. So, you know, um, these like little microaggressions 
are where you have to make your choice about what you want. But I do, I do hope that in the future, you know, more that this doesn't encourage Black women from. Um, because most of these, most, most of the PR industry now is female. It used to be all uh, all male, but now it's mostly female. I, I hope that more Black women are opening up, are opening up their own agencies and then opening doors for other other Black folks. I told you, Leanne doesn't have a filter, and as you've noticed, both on social media, of course, at JSC Radio, and on this show, she will not pull any punches, and she doesn't hold back on what she feels and what she thinks. And when we go forward, coming up after this break, we talk about her biggest business challenges, plus we get into a really good conversation about Miami in terms of the culture and the changes that are happening in South Florida. Not just in terms of things like gentrification and social justice, but also literally the changes in the climate in South Florida. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 103rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. And we'll be back with more with our conversation with Leanne Weeks after this. You're listening to the People's Podcast. Have you ever been unemployed? Were you nervous, Nick? Yeah. All right. Man. This is JSC Radio. I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is episode 103 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. J. Scott Smith here. J. Scott Confidential is back, baby. And as I promised, we're going to be a lot more active in the month of November. Want to shout out my man, Doc Illingsworth. Again, you hear his music underneath you. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Illingsworth. I-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H. If you want to see some of the most ridiculously funny tweets you will ever see, check this guy out. Plus, he makes really, really dope music. We get back into our conversation with Miss Leanne Weeks, and we pick things up talking about what her biggest professional challenge is. You would think, knowing what you know about her, cats wouldn't be out here trying her, but think again. We talk about her biggest challenge, and then we get into what's really happening in Miami and in South Florida, not just in terms of social justice, but in literal terms of how the climate is changing in South Florida. This is episode 103 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and let's get back to our conversation with Leanne Weeks. What has been your biggest challenge, personally and professionally? Because I'm sure, aside from just from the 
from the bullshit you deal with on a daily basis between these different companies and everything else. What is it that you feel has been maybe your biggest challenge? Um, having my skill sets challenged. Having people um, be able to say, okay, this girl really knows what she does, what she's doing. And then when I get in there, they're giving me a hard time in terms of making decisions. And I think where sometimes I challenge myself or I struggle with myself is, you know, having to speak up in rooms and and um, not wanting to be overly assertive, which I know that's the continuing black female conundrum. And then also, you know, being able to, to put your foot down and say, I didn't get this far not knowing what the hell I'm doing. And I'm certainly not going to answer to someone who can't figure out that you don't write email messages in a subject line. <laughs> I don't really have to, I don't really have to answer to someone who doesn't understand how email works they in 2019. They don't understand the, the whole principle of you don't hit reply all on everything. Yeah. I don't really have to answer to you. I kind of don't. So, you know, there's always that, that um, fine balance of bossing up and um, knowing when to listen and learn or, you know, kind of shrink yourself so you can get in those rooms so that you could open up doors for other girls who are like you and then open up opportunities for black journalists to get the big stories or to get the samples or to try the new products. In order to get the, get them in front of us, basically. Yes. Had you had you gone into journalism, what do you think you would have covered? Probably an attorney, but it, I would have still been writing any damn way. <laughs> it would have it was some people just that that is what they were born to do um from the time I was a very small child I was always writing so um it, there was really nothing else being here down being here in Miami and obviously you've spent some time in New York which also is a very multicultural very super diverse area being here in Miami though is something completely different yeah this is from the moment I got off the plane, I felt it's kind of like when I first when I landed in New Orleans a few years ago, I knew I felt it as soon as you get out here. You see it in the streets. You see it in the energy. The You can see it in the architecture, the art, the, everything here. Being in Miami now that it's a lot different place than it was mm-hmm. back in the 80s and 90s and the cocaine cowboy days and all that. What is it about Miami that people don't know now or may only have scratched the surface on that they're not getting about about the city? That black people fucking exist here. It's everything's not Spanish. And people speak English. Don't let them lie. Don't let HR recruiters lie to you. We speak English. <laughs> you walk up to some of the Spanish folks and you start speaking Spanish, you're like, ma'am, I speak English. Fuck you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you thought this was. Um, but no, like, you know, black people have always been here. Um, I think what people don't know is that there's a really strong black creative culture because now it's younger. Back in the day, it was um, black immigrants coming here and entering into affluence. Now it's um, black people from all over the nation. And now we're actually getting because there used to be a small, thriving um, African population here. And they left when the recession happened and moved more to Atlanta. Now we're getting them coming back. So black people are creating everything from fashion to marketing agencies, to event agencies, anything cool that happens here, fuck it, we did it. We are doing it. If you look at the core of it, if you look at who's running it, it's a black person. 
What's interesting here too, because of the amount of time I've been at this convention, I've also mm-hmm. noticed that this is a huge social, socially active, a lot yes. of social activism. A lot of the the civil rights organizations are big here. Trayvon Martin has a deep connection to yes. South Florida. I mean, yes. yeah, what occurred was up closer to Orlando and whatnot, but this was he, his hometown. He, his hometown was here, and that was it. Cut deep here, and even with the ongoing issues of say gentrification, where every city is different. I was sitting at a panel the other day where they were talking about how climate change, because Miami being obviously down dead center for almost every friggin' hurricane that seems to want to run through here, global warming has helped cause the water levels to slowly rise. Mm -hmm. And the way that the city was built, for people who don't know this, the way the city was built initially was the beachfront property was the prime real estate. So all the high rollers moved flush onto the beach back in the, back as early as the early 20th century. And the Black folks, hence why Little Haiti and then Little Havana and, and Liberty City, all these places are toward the middle part of the city and the right, higher the, ele- highway, yeah. the highways and the higher elevations. Now that the water is starting to slowly but surely chip away at the beachfronts, mm-hmm. where all these people are going to go now, they're looking inward. What is that like right now for people, for the black population and black immigrant population, the poorer population here in Miami? Mm-hmm. That that's the gentrification that they're staring down. Right. So for us, it's literally all, just so you guys know, um, a lot of my work also centers around activism. So for us, it's entirely about resistance. That is what we talk about. That is what's extremely important. And resistance, not just in terms of creating these marches that you see on TV. Um, I'm on the board for the, or was on the board for the Florida March for Black Women. Um, Not just things like that, um, but also resistance in terms of policing people's language. One thing I love about this city, and that's why, like, the response to Parkland didn't surprise me. Um, We are take no prisoners. We don't tolerate bullshit around here kind of city. And we resist hard. So you say anything about the Haitian population, probably get your ass whooped around here. (laughs) Um, Because (laughs) we see what's going on in Little Haiti. And that's that's not smoke you want, by the way. I grew up around Haitians. That ain't smoke you want. It's not. We'll beat your ass and (laughs) and they will put a spell on you. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's all about just policing not only, you know, how our government agencies work, but also policing people's language and how people are treated. We are, the younger population is creating a culture of acceptance and tolerance that did not exist, honestly, upward to five years ago. Wow. Um, so, and, and we're, we're not allowing language or behaviors that make anybody feel uncomfortable around here. So people are having to temper themselves or leave. Temper your bigotry or go. As you guys saw with the um, instance um, in Brickle with the one um, boyfriend or whatever the hell he was of the one chick who ended up pulling a gun on a bunch of child activists, um, we, we shut that down pretty quickly. We pretty much ruined their lives within a matter of days. And we were determined to do so. This is a city that's all about action. So um, there are a lot of organizations that are fighting back to fight the gentrification because it, it is disgusting. There are victims who are receiving hundreds of calls per day about selling their property in places like Carroll City, Liberty City, Little Haiti, which are predominantly black and historic black neighborhoods. Um, you know, we're, we're also trying to buy back our block. We're not talking about it. We've we've been about it for a very long time. That's why, like, we have some of the largest, um, Afro-Caribbean communities 
in the entire nation because these were neighborhoods that we were black people were not allowed to be in. And we just said, oh, well, you'll just have to deal with it. We can deal with some white flight. And then we're also talking about looking inward within the community and seeing what issues we can fix. It's not always about, you know, blame, blame the white man, but also what's going on within us? What do we need to heal? So we're providing, you know, mental health services, holistic services, opportunities for children to speak out and be creative about their trauma and healing within as well. We're, we're doing it all down here. And I wish it would get more coverage. Y'all got to know what we're doing down here. Y'all got to come back here more often, journalists. We, I mean, just clearly it's more than just the party. Oh, yeah. That we need to come down here for more than just, albeit the partying is very cool. But we need to come down here for more than that because just talking to you and from some of the other people I've spoken with here in Miami, that is kind of a lost thing. Some of this, some of this is shit I had never heard yeah. or I'm hearing only bits and pieces of. You only hear so much about like the Cuban community here, mm-hmm. obviously, in Miami. You hear about the Puerto Rican community here in Miami, which is actually growing more and more because more yes. Puerto Ricans are leaving the island to come back mainland and they're being openly invited to come to Florida. But the black population here is more than just two live crew. It's more yes. than just the University of Miami football team. It's a, actually deep it's deep-seated right and i don't think people fully get that and that's the one thing about one of these conventions in one of these different cities last year was in detroit so i was kind of i was the point person apparently for everybody who's just you know know, a guy in detroit you ask me a bunch of questions and i will tell you no bullshit about the city and where we are because and how we're coming up but people get down to a city like miami and they just see the glitz the glamour the Dwayne wade all that you don't see there's real shit here and that is interesting that you pointed out that there's been a more aggressive buyback because what was going on here sounds a whole lot like what happened in cities like Atlanta and parts of Chicago when they moved people out of the South side. Detroit is always, I've said, is slightly different because Detroit's flight, Detroit's changes was largely because people just got up and left. Right. That there was all the flight and nobody came in and replaced them for 30 years. So people are just coming in and picking up all this empty land, which is slightly different from everything else that's going on here. There's gentrification, but ours is, Eh, it's slightly different. We're just getting repopulated. Right. But here in Miami, to hear that and just the thought of getting harassed where every day you're getting a phone call or two phone calls or emails, people knocking on your door, offering you money. I heard something about a woman got offered half a million dollars for a home that was appraised like three times the amount. Yeah. Trying to get into these neighborhoods and take your essentially take your shit. Well, they're taking it also by force. They, they're not even asking Oh, you're literally getting a notice on your door saying you've got such amount of time to vacate this property. It's been purchased. Like not even imminent domain. Just like we're just selling you out. Fun times. That's (laughs) and that is something that needs more coverage here. And I know obviously you're going to see it. I mean, it's happening already, but you're going to see it more and more as long as as much as climate change is continuing to take hold. We're gaining more water and little by little you're losing beaches, you're losing beaches on property. And you're just having population changes because Miami is going to start becoming that city again, like Mm -hmm. how Atlanta was in the 90s, like how cities like Chicago and New York and and L.A. and I guess even Houston have been for a while where it becomes that city and people come in. They don't want to get some of these black people out and some of these brown people out and try to start their start start their rebuild. So, yeah, being active, being out front. That makes a lot of sense, especially for people who are natives or or you've been here forever. You know what the city is like. Yeah. So going forward, like, what do you see for Miami before I start to close it? What do you see for this city and what the potential is for a city like Miami as we head into 2020, which is wild to think of. It's about to be 2020. We had 2020 and beyond here. Um, 
I see growth and resistance. I mean, one of the things, one of the industries that's definitely going to boom, and I think this kind of came as a huge shock to us, and I don't know, maybe it may turn into be, it had its roots in racism, Mm -hmm. um, but maybe it may grow into, through our resistance, it may grow into something beautiful. So one of the things with Miami Beach is um, the city wanted to get rid of Urban Beach Weekend and basically my opportunity to date as a college student. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we knew what it was about. We knew it was about racism. There's no way you could live in a city like Miami and be like, this weekend is where the crime comes in. It's fucking Miami. It's crime every goddamn day. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's dead bodies everywhere. Um, but they got rid of Urban Beach Weekend or have consistently tried to end Urban Beach Weekend. But in the interim... They've also decided to start putting curfews on all the nightclubs year round. Wow. So, you know, um, and start to create. Wynwood has been the creative hub, which is actually an area that was gentrified. It was a it was an area, a black area that you did not want to be in at night or any point in time. It was just dead space, just ugly. And it, now it's the, the central hub of, of Miami and South Florida in general. Um, they're basically trying to duplicate that for Miami Beach and make it the new tech hub. Um, same thing is happening in Fort Lauderdale, where Cistrunk is. Um, they're making that the new business and tech hub, downtown Fort Lauderdale, Cistrunk. Unfortunately, these are predominantly black neighborhoods, so they are gentrifying them. However, you know, like I said, we are people of resistance. So if you are coming down here, be prepared to resist and join the fight and create your own black businesses where you can employ other black people and fight economically that way. And, and then, you know, we all just buy out the block, buy out, buy out the businesses. We become the new billionaires of Miami. What is your favorite thing about being here in South Florida? Um, I used to really hate this area. Okay. But I, I, my favorite, because I mean, it was just between, you know, we all knew the discrimination in the workplace and especially in these creative jobs um, and how and the impact that it has nationally and locally on our media and our journalism. But um, I, my favorite thing about it now is the change, once again, through resistance, the amount of people who are entering these spaces, even just, you know, the amount of people who are coming out openly as Afro-Latino. Um, and Afro-Latino and being like, um, you know, working in, in these HR departments and saying, no, you're not going to throw away this resume because it's her name is Shaniqua. I want to interview her. You're not going to just toss this. You're not going to toss this person out because their last name is Rodriguez or, Su- or Suarez, but they're cute, but they don't right. look like, quote unquote, a Rodriguez or Suarez or Hernandez or something like that. Right. It's been plenty of times where, um, you know, people see my name and then they see me and they're like, oh, it's a black girl. And they kind of give me a hard time on the interviews. Now we've got HR directors who are like, I'm I'm Afro-Latina, even if I don't look it, and I want to interview this person. I think she's great for this job. I want to bring her in here. I think um, this is a new wave of multiculturalism for the city where it feels inclusive and it feels beautiful, and everyone's loving each other and standing up for one another. And I, I love the direction that we're going. I want to see us continue this way for a very long time. And, you know, a shout out to Dream Defenders for and Philip Agnew for starting his headquarters um, of Dream Defenders here. I feel like that also changed a lot of things, knowing that something someone cared enough about this city to see what was going on and say, "Okay, we're going to make a difference. And it's worth the effort and time to come down here. 
for you as we start to as we start to close this out what is it that people for one also at the end of this also tell me how people can contact you and about your company and everything else mm-hmm. but what is it that you what is like a lasting thing you want people to remember about south florida to know about south florida the next time they come down here either for a weekend or whatever to enjoy themselves what is it that you feel people should know about this area um <laughs> don't don't bring your ass down here speaking Spanish. Don't nobody speak that mess no more. <laughs> it's gonna be a bunch of other languages around here. Um don't be afraid to speak to the black folks. We get so many stereotypes. Um I get so many stereotypes about being West Indian and you know, we don't talk to African Americans. It's not true. Come to any of our events any point in time. We might laugh at you if you can't whine, but we'll teach you by the time you're done. You sat here and talked to me for about the last forty <laughs> minutes. I <laughs> right. clearly she doesn't have an issue dealing with me. I, you might you might have to help me out here. I'm I'm, I'm almost forty. My my whining days it's a slow whine, not a not a quick one anymore. And and you know what? And you know what? A slow wine works. So we're going to teach you. We'll talk. You know, we, we love meeting other people and getting new perspectives. And everyone from around here is from all over the world. And we want to meet new people. We want fresh face, faces. Um, so that's the one thing. Don't be afraid to reach out and talk to us. We're here. We out here. Might as well. Might as well. We'll help you. The city is mad multicultural, but it's also blacker than black and I don't think people really get that until this week when they got down here we realized just how black this city is very blacky black the super blacky black how can people reach you huh how can people reach you people may be able to reach me on Instagram at get it so g-e-t-i-t underscore l-e-e-l-e-e get it underscore lili um, there you can see my wild and crazy life and all the shit I go through mm-hmm. and all the fun I'm doing and follow whatever events I'm going to. And if you see me on the street, say, hey, girl. Hey, Lily. I'll say hi back. She's she's actually really nice. <laughs> she ain't got no problem talking to nobody. No, I do not. <laughs> now, it's Leanne or Leandra. Which one do you prefer? <sighs> my legal name is Leandra, but don't nobody go that far to make it to the drug. You can call me Lee. You can call me Leanne. You can call me, hey, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Leanne Weeks, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. And I, I, can't, I'm, I am super stoked that I'm actually able to sit here and talk to you in person and do this. Because we've gone back and forth about this for a while to try to get this whole thing together. And damn it, it worked. It really worked. Thank you so much for coming on KAC Radio, sweetheart. Of course. Anytime. And there you have it. I want to thank Leanne Weeks for allowing me to get some time with her while I was in Miami. I'm hoping that this is not the last time we hear from her on this podcast. In fact, I really hope there's going to be a point where we can actually do this again and maybe not such a loud place, but I want to thank her. Be sure, of course, to hit her up on Instagram and you better come correct because she has zero issue putting you all the way in your damn place. Coming up next, it'll probably be next week, but I, I you never know, I can't make any promises on these things because crazy things happen with my schedule. But within the next week to 10 days, we will have episode 104. And remember I mentioned earlier in this show, I was talking about Ghana, one of the countries that has been a definite listener of this podcast. Well, I'm going to be having a conversation with an enterprising young lady who has recently returned to Ghana, the homeland of her parents, to start a new business and really got a chance to not only reflect on her life, but also begin anew in the place of her origin. 
I met her here in Philadelphia as an intern, and she's one of the sharpest young women I have ever encountered. She started a new business that deals with beauty, health, and wellness from a natural standpoint, and I will be introducing her to her on episode 104. So until then, my name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Until next time, goodbye, everybody. Do I burn bridges? Yes. Do I give a f***? No. No. (laughs) You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.